0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Chloe, a reporter at New Model Advisor, and today we are talking about the health of the advice profession and how it's changed post-COVID and how an overall cautious attitude has replaced the major readjustments and innovations of, of 2020 and 2021. Um, so last week, Next Wealth released its latest financial advice business benchmark report um, produced in collaboration with the Personal Finance Society. Um, the report that you can read uh, for free on the Next Wealth website looks into all aspects of the advice industry. That includes recruitment, clients, technology, fee structures, investment strategy, business plans, um, and it finds that overall, advice firms were much more cautious in in twenty twenty two, with recruitment slowing down, um, less firms taking on a higher number of active clients year on year, and more firms looking to exit the market. Um, so to talk about all of this, I am joined by Heather Hopkins, Managing Director of Next Wealth. Um, Heather, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Yeah, great, Chloe. Thanks for inviting me. Good to be here. Yes, of course. So Heather, the main takeaway for the report is that there's an overall feeling of cautiousness, um, which is quite an interesting shift from 2020 and, and 2021. Can you walk us through the potential reasons for this change? Yeah, sure. So. Um- so I think the that that note of caution
1: is really important because it's not that anything is looking dire or negative. Um, you know, people with the the news today might be feeling a bit nervous. What's going in the last couple of weeks? But um, advice businesses are healthy, um, but they're much more cautious in their outlook. Um, and I think the main reason for that is when we ask advisors what the average portfolio value is of their clients. So this is asking them. So it's not an exact number. I mean, they do have a pretty good handle on that, um, but it's not an exact figure but the the average was 352,000 pounds whereas last year in the same survey it was 404,000 pounds so you know that has a direct impact on the fees that um advisers are earning because most charge based on assets um so that you know that represents a 15 percent decline if you know if the numbers that we have are right for how much they're charging and the number of clients they have you know they're they're looking at about 356 pounds less per client that they're earning um, and, and that's that's pretty significant and that's had an impact on, as you said, um, recruitment plans, growth plans and um, all sorts of things. But I think it's that that's the primary issue is that because they're earning their income based on fees
0: from assets, um, as portfolio values decrease, fee income decreases. Um, the report also looks into the um, business challenges Um that, that advice firms are, are facing. Um, the first one being regulatory disruption. Then we have um, in second place, the cost of doing business with PR renewal and the FSCS um, levy. And then the third being cybersecurity. Um, and I just wanted to talk a bit more about the first one, regulatory disruption and, um, and consumer duty. Um, what do you think is the overall sort of opinion on, on consumer duty? How do firms expect, um, expect it to impact them? So uh,
1: it's I think it's really unknown at the moment um it's it's a bit of a mix we're doing some some follow-up research on consumer duty right now. This survey went out in, um, was completed in August that we're talking about. And um, the final rules from the FCA only came out in July. Um, so, you know, there was general awareness of consumer duty. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the principle um, that consumer duty is trying to put out there, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting approach to regulation because it's saying it's not a specific set of rules you need to abide by. It's about having a client first approach within your business. About, it's about a cultural change. And I think that most advice firms are very client focused. And so they feel that you know, this isn't going to be a huge disruption. But I think the challenge that advice firms have is that layering upon layering upon layering of regulatory disruption. And um, and on the one hand, it can increase the complexity, so drives up demand for their services. But I don't think most advisors who are looking to grow their business really want to feed off a sense of, you know, this is a complex environment, it's difficult. And so I'll offer a service, you know, almost taking that admin away from people, they want to help people with financial planning. And it's it's frustrating to them that that there's this constant change to regulation um, where they, most advisors, I think, feel that they're doing the right thing for their customers. The bit that was worrying for me um, from the research we did in the summer was about a fifth of advisors felt that consumer duty would have a negative impact on their business. And I think there's a real concern about the cost of regulation. Um, it's about uh, almost a fifth of turnover goes to regulatory costs for firms. It's higher at smaller firms than bigger firms as a proportion of revenue, um, and that's that's really frustrating because they want to be able to serve more people. They want to do right for their customers, and they want regulation. They want a you know a well-run sector, well-run profession. Um, but at the same time, they don't want to increase costs, pass that on to their customers, and spend their time disclosing upon you know disclosure upon disclosure that layering of disclosure is really frustrating
0: yeah yeah so frustration that is um completely understandable um and the um so the cautious attitude that we were just mentioning um is also reflected in in firms sort of reluctance i'd say to, to embrace um new technology so i think it's it's nine percent that um offer refer the clients to digital advice proposition, which represents no real change from last year. And there was also a reduction in the number of firms that uh, were planning to add a new technology partner in the next 12 months. Why do you think that is, especially because like, 2020 and 2021 were really years of of kind of embracing new digital um, digital uh, propositions because because of, of um, COVID, of course. Um, why do you think it's it's changing? Yeah, it's a really,
1: it's a really interesting question. And, and it was a bit of a, we felt like it was a bit of a conflict in the results from the survey. So, um, 87% of advisors said they were satisfied with their current tech and aren't making any changes. Most of those said that they're open to trying new tech if something good comes along, um, but not actively looking to make any change. Um, And that really contrasts to what we were seeing through COVID, where firms were taking on new technology. They were experimenting with different ways of supporting their customers. Um, I think part of this is a failure of providers, um, the tech providers, to offer really good proven solutions. Changing tech in a business takes time, it takes resource. um, And um, so you're only going to do it if there's a really good option available. And I I think that what we're hearing from advisors is there's good bits of tech to support individual challenges within a business, but the bigger issue is that integration across. So you have a great client portal, get all sorts of data from your client through a fact find, have a great onboarding process, but then you have to key in that information to your back office system. Right? It's just ridiculous. And then, you know, you, you then have to have that feed through to your platform. Sometimes they're integrated, sometimes they're not. And then, you know, you want to create a suitability letter. And you can take some of that out of your back office system, but not all of it. So you're reeking. Every time you're reeking, it's not just time. It's also the opportunity to introduce errors into the process. So um, so there, there needs to be a... Um, more cohesive approach from the providers to supporting that, that advisor tech stack um, to be able to deal with some of those integration challenges. And it's not just, you know, back office to platform. It's really stitching together the workflow that exists within an advisor business, understanding that workflow and making sure that that works seamlessly through the tech. So I think we're going to see a real shift in this in about three years time. So advisors, you know, some firms experimenting with new tools and tech that are out there. Um, we saw more firms using Wealthcraft, using Time for Advice, um, you know, experimenting with different back office systems or planner CRM. There's new things coming to the fore. Um, so you know, once those are tested, firms have been through that transition onto that tech, see how they're running, um, we might see a real shift.
0: Right. And um, the the report also introduces um, a new way of qualifying advice businesses. So there's five categories. Um, There's turnkey advisors, um, build to grow firms, succession searchers, investment advisors and investment outsourcers. So can you tell me a bit more about how you went about designing that classification and how it sort of helps advice firms understand their place in the market?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know one of the things that's really interesting about the financial advice market or profession is it's just made up of such different firms. I mean, trying to compare a you know small advice practice um, that's you know supporting a local community to a large business that has you know a large compliance HR um, uh, you know tech team within within the business. There's such different businesses and the, dis, the ways that those firms make decisions for the business are fundamentally different. The service that's offered to the client may not look that different. In some cases it does, but, but it may not look that different. But the decisions around technology, around the investment proposition, around hiring are really, really different. So these five segments just help to break that market down into different profiles. So turnkey advisors are the smallest firms looking for off the shelf solutions for tech. They don't have a you know a CTO in the business who's going to be able to do bespoke integrations between different bits of tech. Um, they're really looking to, you know, probably work with a network and really focus on servicing their clients, but not looking to do anything different um, and glitzy behind the scenes. Build to grow firms are really exciting um, profile of younger, tend to have younger advisors. They're high adopters of new tech. They're looking for new ways to find clients. They're more likely to be working with. Younger clients, Um, they're spending more on tech than average. They're also looking to recruit. Um, So, you know, bucking that trend of caution, they're really optimistic about their future. Um, The succession searchers are more, you know, looking to exit the market as you'd expect. We saw a big increase. It's still a small number—only twelve percent of firms or advisors saying they're looking to leave the market or sell their business. Um, But that more than doubled since last year. So that segment growing. But you know, they're obviously not going to be bringing in any new tech to their business Um, and they're going to be really thinking about bedding down what they have and focusing on how they can exit the market to support their customers and their own ambitions and the way we approached it was um So we have a a quantitative researcher, Alex Johnson, um, who has huge expertise in quantitative analysis. And he and I work together to build these segments over the last year um, and then applied them to our financial advice business benchmarks, or as we call it, fab report um, uh, data um, to be able to help firms see where they fit so that they can narrow down those benchmarks a bit better.
0: Mm, right and of those five segments is there one in particular that is is growing particularly fast so the
1: investment advisors are growing um, quickly because a lot of them are consolidators and so they're seeing their assets. Increase and in their client numbers increasing. Um, you know whether that will continue. Um, you know some people are talking about the cost of capital and whether consolidation might slow down. We haven't seen any signs of that yet. Um, there was some sign of about a year ago that there might be fewer firms looking to sell, but that seems to have picked up again. Um, so you know we'll see we'll see what the appetite is among PE firms to continue investing in financial advice businesses. But they do tend to have be um, assets are sticky um, they 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 persist even in down markets um, and um, and continue to earn fee income it's just on a lower asset base the other group um, that's that i mentioned that's growing is succession searchers but that's a small smaller group um, but those build to grow firms i think are you know that's a really exciting interesting one because that's sort of the future of the future growth firms looking at marketing, finding new ways to grow their business, really thinking about how do we bring younger clients in um, and finding different ways to engage client digitally. So I think that's an exciting segment for me to think about what's next for the profession. I wouldn't call my business next wealth if I wasn't interested in what's next.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And also within those five categories is, is there in one in particular that is becoming less and less common and, and might have to be taken out of the of the um of this classification within the next few years do you think?
1: No. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, we've seen um, because of the increase in complexity around compliance, the increase in cost and complexity, a lot of smaller firms looking to join networks. Um, so so I definitely see turnkey advice firms that that segment of the market continuing to grow Um I think the biggest challenges are for the build-to-grow firms, and and I think you can have thriving small-to-mid-sized financial advice firms, um, but they've they've possibly been more challenged with some of the regulatory change and tech change. Um, succession searchers, obviously, you know the firms that are in that segment don't plan to remain in that segment, um, but um, you know as long as there's a fresh fresh group coming in, I don't see any any change, and we only only developed these segments a year ago. So I don't see any of them really disappearing um, in the near term. I think investment outsources are a really interesting one. That's firms that are um, outsourcing the investment proposition to a, D- a DFM, really focusing on planning. They tend to be mid size. The changes we're seeing in those firms is potentially insourcing the investment proposition. So either, um, you know, appoint, becoming an appointed rep, of a DFM rather than getting discretionary permissions or going that full step to getting discretionary permissions. We're hearing more of that. So maybe some of those firms becoming investment advisors over time. So moving across to that other segment.
0: Right. And so obviously, you there's only so much that can be predicted and you don't have a crystal ball. But from what the 2022 report says, what do you expect 2023 to look like for the advice industry?
1: So I think that the advice industry is really, really well placed for 2023 because we are calling 2023 the year of the client. Um, and, you know, with consumer duty rules coming into effect um, over time phased in, but but they will be fully implemented by July. That customer focus that's going to have to come from across the industry. Um, you know, I think advice firms are really well placed to to be able to um, thrive Um in, in that customer facing um, you know wealth management industry um, I think some things that will change is I think there will be some pressure on fees as firms are forced to think about benchmarking their fees against external benchmarks in our report we found 68 basis points was the average cost for advice but it varies significantly. By type of firm, by location of advisor, um, so so clients of advisors in London are paying eighty basis points um, compared to sixty basis points for people in um, some uh, in Northern Ireland and in the north of England. Um, fund charges vary significantly depending on region and depending on by by type of firm, vertically integrated firms tend to have higher fund charges than independent advisors. So I think there will be some some really interesting changes that come as firms look to create those assessments of value um, as part of the uh, requirements of consumer duty. And I think that there's also going to be some really interesting changes that come to support client reviews. Um, So there's been a lot of focus on client onboarding and the tech to onboard clients. Um, But we, our estimate is about a third of an individual's time within a firm is spent just preparing for client review meetings. They take an average of 5.5 hours to prepare our client review meeting, um, and it's a pretty labor-intensive process. Um, and the two biggest um, drains on time are collecting data from clients and collecting data from providers, and firms are really looking at solutions to be able to make that easier. Um, we're working on something with a group of device firms to collect data on some of the time, you know, the, the amount of time it takes to get information from providers um, to, to do re-registration of assets. Um, so I think, you know, as we bring a little bit more transparency to that, that should help that process. But, um, you know, one of the things I'm hoping to see is that that client review process being modernized a bit because it is a huge drag on um, time for advisors. And that's not the time spent in the meeting with the client, which is hugely valuable. It's the gathering information
0: um, that that's taking a lot of time. Mm. And would you say that this kind of cautious attitude that defined 2022 is set to, to remain for the foreseeable? I think that really depends on how
1: markets go. Um, so if markets remain um, rocky, then yes, I think that Caution will continue um, because um, you know firms, if they see their fee income decreasing, aren't going to be looking to hire lots of staff to be able to service their clients. It also depends on demand for. Um, financial planning advice. Um, you know, if people are feeling a bit nervous about how their own portfolios have performed, if they became DIY investors through COVID and were buying all sorts of meme stocks, they might want some financial planning support um, to help them if they've seen their portfolios decrease. So, I think it'll depend on how the markets go, um, the demand for financial advice, and also um, the labour market. Um, because one of the things we hear from advice firms is it's really hard to hire. Um, qualified people but also it's really hard to find people in ops and customer support roles Um, it's not just the roles that have the the qualifications and credentials and experience and financial planning Um it was a tight it still is a tight labor market um, and salaries are going up so I think those are the three things I would look at um, so in answer to your question I don't know I'm a market <laughs> researcher I always
0: like to hedge my answers depends right. on the market's <laughs> right so we'll have to wait and see then um well heather thank you so much for being here and thank you everybody for listening um if you'd like to get in contact with us about this episode um we're on twitter at new model advisor or you can get in contact with me directly M C Melly cmelly m-e-l-e-y at citywire.co.uk thanks again everyone thank you heather and we will see you next week